Welcome to the Blooming League of Original Podcast. G'day and welcome to an extra fantastic edition of Thrash and Treasure, the Torture Chamber musical comedy podcast, which left the good cop out in the rain so the bad cop can battle the beige cop and things got crazy. And speaking of crazy, I'm Aaron. God damn it, who writes this shit? Probably this guy. It's Matt the Quizmaster. Hey, how's it going? Good. You're in a different city now? Yep, yep. Up here in Mackay on the Queensland coast. Are you on holidays or is that for work? Or are you allowed to tell our listeners? Yeah, no, I'm working for Central Queensland University, lecturing in theatre and acting. Oh, wow. So you can school all the children at home. But anyways, guess what? What? We have an exquisitely gifted diva in the orchestra pit today. And since Kanye couldn't rap on without a harp, I can't harp on without a rap. All right, so stop, collaborate, and listen to this insanely incredible career, which has taken this Kentucky Fire Chicky Babe off and on Broadway onto screens of screenplays she wrote, plus some of the world's biggest stages, with a charity single alongside the world's biggest artists. And not only is she an enterprising Trekkie famous for playing the harp, this heralded angel sings, acts, writes, and reigns supreme as the queen band geek, because she's all about that bass, electric bass, upright bass, no treble, close but ooh, guitar and fiddle and flute, but theremin lies the key, bordering on a one-icon orchestra with one seat percussion that drums home her remarkable and very particular set of skills. Plus, according to her resume, she can rock the saxophone, perm, double feature. And I have no idea what a hammer dulcimer is, but apparently it's a thing. And she plays that too. And I heard there's pretty lady plurs the hurdy-gurdy and her bird sure's very good or cur- and from the hurdy of the gurdy through the icy of the burgy to starboard of thy Titanic on Broadway, that ship, like a cradle, will rock. Like the legacy of Barubash, so she made us Lulu look twice in Cabaret, then did a deal with the devil in Randy Newman's Faust, but Faust she paid her dues and rent for a workshop that led to Spring Awakenings for a little night music from today's chosen musical. So on this clear blue Tuesday morning, I'm so glad to beam her up to another world with Dave Chappelle showing a huge Aussie g'day as we cling on a hearty R, which tugs on the heart strings like the harp of this pirate Jane girl inventor who could tempt us fugitives to the world of Niku with a Midsummer Night's Dream date with a dark daddy. Oh, yes, please. Because I see a great city at the end of the honky-tonk highway, past the field of pretty flowers and four-leaf clover. So it's our lucky night of the hunter here in Harptown. Dominawa gave flannelette for a between-the-sheets pyjama party fit for Martha Wainwright and Eleanor Rigby. So leave it in the soup and toss your vapour as we welcome to the forest chamber this one-of-a-kind glacier of talent who never fades to white, only red hot, whose delicately fragile vocals can melt a boss or bring the frost as desired or else she might let it snow so i let us know that none of us are worthy of this truly original harp oddity who will leave you breathless after a game of tennis or running up that hill because she is the ever rising peak geek and high and rolling the dangerously enjoyable lady erin hill yay welcome to the torture chamber goodness gracious <laughs> me that was a long hill to climb thank 
thank you, Aaron. I felt like I was just on This Is Your Life. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's the whole point of it is. <laughs> the list of things I had completely forgotten about. I don't even know where you dug up some of those names. They must live somewhere in the dark corners of the internet. <laughs> yep, but it is all there on online. I just take what I find and I'd have fun with it, basically. And I I make a stupid sentence out of it. You'd be surprised what we can find out about you. Ay ay ay. We do a lot of deep digging on this show because we want to find out the interesting stuff. But goodness gracious me, your career. And now I've just thrown the sheet that I need. So just give me two seconds. It is this one. You have been incredibly busy. Uh, do you maybe need to steal a talking harp from a giant? Oh, yeah. Then I, the talking harp could sing harmony with me. I'm a yes. little afraid of heights, but I could get past that, you know, climbing up. Yeah, you're a Trekkie. Get in a spaceship. That's what you got to do. Oh, I'm a Trekkie. Excellent. Oh, okay. Yeah. I could just beam myself up to the giant grab the talking heart, beam myself out. Is that true? Brilliant. Is what that true? you are a tricky because that was on your Wikipedia page. Well, is, is it true? Okay, oh that, my it definitely God. is. Oh. No, by the way, it's definitely true. Oh. Wikipedia can sometimes be correct, people. Have you any doubts about that? Go to YouTube, look for a Star Trek blind date. Ooh. Okay. And that's a scene that I wrote with my friend Chris Orbach. And we did it in that movie, Clear Blue Tuesday, that you mentioned. And the director let me take that scene out and uh, put it on my YouTube channel. So Star Trek Blind Date yep. on Aaron Hill Harp is my, yes. And that will, that will prove beyond the shadow of a doubt yep. how deep I am a, a trekker. Now, the only time I hear the harp is at sea. So have you sailed the seven seas or just the eighth sea? <laughs> no, I have not done any sailing once I got asked to play on the QE2. Oh, wow. But I, I, I was going to be gone too long and, uh, you know, I didn't want to be away from my puppies, you know, and my puppy at the time. Now I have two dogs. But then I, I had my one dog, McLeod the Westie, McLeod of the Clan McLeod, uh, who is my frequent co-star in my music videos. So you may have seen him. Yeah. I have a silly question about um, taking a harp to see. Does the humidity affect the instrument greatly? Never done it. No idea. But humidity, yes, totally. Yeah, humidity and temperature. So if you're all tuned up in somewhere and then somebody opens the door and lets in cold blasts of air... Ah, gotta tune it all up again. When I uh, recorded the Game of Thrones promo for HBO, we shot outside. I, I was, you know, in a big fur thing, but my fingers were freezing. And it was, it was, I was not finger syncing. I was playing the theme live and it was, oh my gosh, yep. that was rough. Now, also, you mentioned the Game of Thrones promo for HBO. That is a testament, Aaron, to your, I can't fathom how incredible your career is, that I had to literally cut out the Game of Thrones joke because it just did not fit of all the things. And and I'm going through and I'm like, oh, shit, I have to cut that out and I have to cut this out. And it, it's, you know, it, it is awful, but I know that I can bring things up during the episode and stuff like that. And I'm trying to make a cohesive speech, but yeah, it's just, that's a testament to what you have accomplished it, across the field in your career and different mediums as well i am absolutely flabbergasted you, you hear that Thank people you. out there i cut game of thrones so come at me on twitter 
Anyways, <laughs> I was just gonna say you've packed a lot in, Aaron. You've definitely packed a lot in with um, you know, diverse um, performances from acting, singing, playing, multiple instruments. You know, appearing on our screens and on our stages and writing. Oh well, thank you. Yeah, I, I've really focused on the harp now. So. I still play, you know, it's keyboards occasionally and uh, bass, but I'm about the harp now because it is the best of all the instruments. So, And as I said to you, there are only a handful of harpists in the world, but there are a million and one podcasts. <laughs> so it, is, <laughs> it stands out when, when you walk into an atrium of a cruise ship and the harpist is on, you know. Anyways, speaking of ships, we'll move on to metal now. I guess they're fiberglass or metal. I don't know. Rockstar Rider. You are a bit of a rock star, let's face it. If you could have put anything, any ridiculous thing on the ultimate Rockstar Rider, what would you put on there? Wow, I've never been asked that before. How about perfectly ripe avocados and bananas that have the faintest brown spots on them, just starting? Excellent. And we need, yes, the tester for that would have to be, you know, very, very versed in their avocados and bananas. Yes, I think they would have to split them in half and make sure they looked okay. I don't know how to tell from the outside. You know, you can go through 12 and it's just like... So, yeah, they'd need an expert. They'd need to hire an expert for me. And, of course, they could make guacamole if it didn't work out. You know, if they weren't up to your rider's standards, it'd just be a big pot of guacamole. Yeah, that's not going to cut it. (laughs) You know, you feed that to the roadies. (laughs) Fine, yes, for the rest of the band. But for me, for me, yeah, I need the actual sliced avocado. You're going to throw the harp? Be like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm not going on until I get my ripe avocado. That's what we want to hear. Yeah, that's Take it. the guacamole. Brilliant. Push. All right. Uh, now, have you had much experience with heavy metal? No. You're not, you're not a headbanger? No. Well, you did pick the album this week, and you picked uh, Ziggy, uh, David Bowie's Ziggy Stardust. The Rise and Fall. And the Rise and Fall of Ziggy. Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust. And the Spiders from Mars. Yes. So I did know a bit of David Bowie. I grew up with the Labyrinth. or well, not the Labyrinth. It's Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Yeah. There's no that. In my Harp Oddity show, I do As the World Falls Down. I love that movie. I just love that line. It's so stimulating being your hat. Just so stupid, I love it. So <laughs> random. Um, but anyways, I love that movie growing up. And I knew Heroes, I knew yeah. Under Pressure, and I knew Fame as well. I didn't know this album. Wow. I know. I know. I'm 38, Erin. How have I gone through life? The gasps. How have I gone through life without hearing this album? I don't know. I've heard every Kelly Clarkson album, but I've never heard oh, no. Rise and Fall. I love no. Kelly Clarkson. I will stand by that, but I know everyone out there will groan. Like, how on earth? That's fine, but not instead of I know. David Bowie. Okay? I know. I know. It's right. like, how have you done that? But not this. Like, idiot. Anyways, <laughs> we're going to move on because I'm going to read my review and see what I thought. In deciding to cover the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust, I was a little hesitant as I presumed I would know half the album already. And upon skimming through the album, only three tracks stood out. Moonage, Starman and Suffragette City. But is three too many for me to come in without pre-bias? Well, I know what it looks like for a cartoon rat to be smashed over the head with an oversized harp, so I shut my mouth and pressed lift off on the Spotify, and here are my thoughts. Five years, with a chilled, slower pace than I'm used to with Bowie, took nearly five years to get through, until his passion started to rise and elevated the song. 
and then Solove sounded vaguely familiar, most likely having been a needle drop somewhere, and I don't mean the audience. It ain't easy lied and started out easily, before kicking in with a bluesy country flavour which felt a bit too loud when juxtaposed versus the quiet verses. Lady Stardust also felt familiar, but sadly not as glamorous as its namesake. Star started and I felt seen, and as soon as the vocal started, I felt at home for the first time so far on this galactical album. Hang on to yourself had a brief punk rock and roll flavor. My favorite. Surprisingly, Ziggy Stardust only rang a vaguely familiar. Lastly, Rock and Roll Suicide also rang as familiar, but as a concept, not a song. Overall, this half-glam, half-prog exploration of varying drug types left me in part thrilled, but often antsy, given the amount of slower moments. Maybe a drop of quirk or acid may have lifted this classic off the ground for me. Although the songs I loved, I really, really loved. Mostly Suffragette City, but you can thank Mary Poppins for that. Three and a half, four stars. Like, <gasps> yeah, but that's out of five. I, I, I know the value here. Like, the songwriting is terrific, but in terms of a prog rock album, it didn't take me on a trip like I really want prog rock to do. I have never heard it called prog rock. I don't think David Bowie's prog rock. I, I got a, don't you think? I, I got a prog rock. No, he's vibe, not. Promise? No. No, oh, no, Although no, that puts me in my place. Not. You are the, the nope. extreme professional I am. Everybody. <laughs> I know it's glam. It's definitely glam, but I, I, because that's like the, the feeling I felt from prog rock is a little bit antsy, like just hurry up and get a bit cheerier, I guess. I could imagine in the 70s, people got very, 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 very stoned to this on a Sunday afternoon, laying on their back lawn, and it would have worked in that context. Let me tell you, I've never done a drug in my life. I've never smoked a cigarette of any kind. I have never, ever touched any drug. And I love this album. I love it. How about the very first track, Five Years? Let's take five years. It, it starts on this journey. We find out the news guy wept and told us earth has five years left and then we go through and we see how the people of the world react and all, all, all these little stories on uh, with every mention of every person and then the the anguish of the you know finally when we get to that chorus i mean we've got five years the emotion of that that's like an academy award-winning movie just that song and that's the start of the album. Yeah. You, you're done with that. And you're just like, holy shit. I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm a very excitable guy. So I was really hoping for something to kick us off because the songs I know of David Bowie aren't that slow. I've, I've never heard him sing that slow before. So if you only like fast songs. No, no, it's not. It's not that. Well, I, I do have a problem with ballads, but I guess it was sort of just what I was used to. And then stepping into it for me, it took a while to get into. But did you listen to the lyrics and hear that specific story, for example, of even the first track? Did you know? No. You didn't know what it was about. If I had asked you, you couldn't have told me what five years was about. So you needed to get on a different day. Yes. When you're not expecting like 10 suffragette cities. Yes. That's what I think. Well, or even yes. if not that, just maybe a bit more range, I guess. As I say, like some songs would start off slow and then picked up. And I liked that. But I guess the, the slow start, I was just like, just hurry up and get into the... And that, that is, that's totally on me. And that's why I didn't mark it lower. And I guess you don't like Nirvana then. Because how about do, 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 and then whoa, whoa, whoa for the chorus. So I don't listen yeah. to them. I don't listen to them. Okay. 
But remember, I've heard every Kelly Clarkson album and single and, and release and duet that she's ever done. I rest my case. Love her. <laughs> Love her. I will, I will fight for the today. Rest my case. And every Spice Girls. <laughs> Anyways, no, but I love what I know of David Bowie. I absolutely love. So it's it's not again. It's no. It is totally on me. It's not him. It's me. I've I've just broken up with him. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> Sorry, Bowie. You got to listen to it like a you know like a original cast recording of a show. You know where you're gonna like have your turntable and put the needle on and turn the music down and really lean into it. Yeah. And um, I, yeah, I guess we used to do that a lot, <laughs> you know, in, back in my day when I was a young whippersnapper, where you would just sit there with that turntable going, 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 and just yes. music low and just really leaning into it and then picking up that needle and dropping it back to hear it again. Another thing is many songs, you like them better the more times you hear them and you get deeper insight into them the more times you hear them and just you get to appreciate them more and like them more. It was interesting because you said, oh, I like those songs I recognized because you've heard them before. So when you hear them again, yeah. you like them better than the ones you're hearing for the first time. Yeah, the album definitely picked up. From It Ain't Easy onwards, I was definitely, my eyebrows were raised a lot more, but it was the first. Sorry, my eyes are rolling, but that's. No, that's, that's, fu- <laughs> that's what this show is for. And I, I okay. tell everybody out there, throw me all the sass you need to, because that's, I, I welcome it, basically. I do, I welcome it. <laughs> You know, but I do have to approach this honestly and and how I go with this. And remember, two of the songs that I knew were from the start of the album. So those two were taken out. So it was a shorter first half than it was the second half. Which songs? I forgot which songs you knew. I knew Starman. Okay, that's a great. That's in my show. And I knew Moon Age Daydream. Moon Age Daydream. Both those songs are in my Harp Oddity show. They're my known. They're, they're a little bit more mid-tempo than the slower ones that were on here. So I guess I knew the singles. I knew the hits, which is not the case a lot of the times. How about, have you ever listened to Bauhaus? They had a huge hit with the cover of Ziggy Stardust. Did you ever yeah. see the movie The Hunger? with Catherine Deneuve and Neva Bowie. No. Fantastic, fantastic movie. Go watch it. Bauhaus's song, Bella Lugosi is Dead, featured in that movie. Excellent song. Bella Lugosi Just is Dead. Just as an aside. I think I know a punk cover of that song. Nothing could match Bauhaus's definitive version. What was it called? The... The Hunger. The Hunger. Incredible so, movie. Great movie. I'm a huge horror buff. In addition to being a sci-fi geek, I'm a horror maven as yeah. well. Oh, awesome. Yes. Fantastic. Yes. Do you like the slashes? No. Do you like the, the other horrors? Yeah. Yeah. For me, like I couldn't deal with, you know, Friday the 13th or any of those. But the other ones, I was like. No, yeah. I'm, I mean, I can appreciate them, but that's not my thing. Slashers. I like true horror. Some of my favorites, uh, Burnt Offerings from the 70s with okay. Karen Black. That's that's a great one. Oh, Karen Black. Uh-huh. Here's a movie that people don't necessarily think of as horror, but is one of my favorites, Frailty. Frailty. You can look that up. That's a really good horror film. Yeah. I really like that. Of course, I love The Shining and Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. As everyone knows, but those are those are in my top 10 too. I could watch them over and over and over again. In fact, I just reread Ira Levin's Rosemary's Baby, the book, and I'm reading Ira Levin's Stepford Wives. Oh, they're just oh, like 
dessert. So if if we're talking your top 10 favorite movies of all time, is horror in the top 10? Like are several of them horror? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I'm the same. I mean, I'd say like Night of the Living Dead and Carrie are probably in my top 10 movies of all time, possibly Jaws as well. Carrie, that's me. <laughs> well, I didn't want to say anything, but <laughs> yes, it's a little bit of resemblance there. That's me. Totally. <laughs> Do you know who was absolutely gorgeous? Piper Laurie. I love Piper Laurie. She was a bombshell when she was growing up, and some of her photos were a little bit naughty for the 50s. So what? She would have gotten cancelled and slut-shamed something chronic back then, but, God, you look at them now and you're like, holy crap, Piper Laurie. Goodness me, why isn't her name thrown about like Rita Hayworth is and Marilyn Monroe? Piper Laurie, God damn it, piping hot, more like it. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Love her. Love her. Um, yeah. No, anyways, back to Bowie. Like, I can see it. I do see it. And I heard it lyrically, just in terms of musically. I guess I, I, maybe my body wasn't there and maybe I'm just so worn out that. Listen again. Listen again in the future. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I, I do actually want to revisit some albums in the future, the metal albums, and see how have I gone now compared to back then when I had first listened to it and I, I didn't take as well but now matt yes what did you think of this album i mean again like suffragette city is a like such a yes. amazing classic there's a really great cover i don't know if you've ever heard um there's an australian artist named paul capsis who's a cabaret singer and he does a version of suffragette city that just like makes me really happy <laughs> yeah and again like i said i mean this whole album it's that sort of experience you know i grew up in the 80s so you know there were lots and lots of weeknights spent listening to Broadway cast albums or listening to, you know, things such as this with that on that turntable in the basement rec room. I grew up in Massachusetts, so, you know, in the northeast coast of America. And it's just that was this thing on that red, it's the red shag carpet sort of, you know, sit on your couch that's been in your house for many, many, many years. It is funny, I, I'm the same, Aaron, that I didn't, you know, I'm not really a like a drug, you know, someone who does any sort of drug and listens to music. And we used to just like lie there, like me and all my high school friends, I guess we were, you know, the band geeks and the theater geeks and just like, listen, listen, listen. So yeah, so this is a real uh, nostalgia trip for me and just um, makes me happy. Yeah, yeah, I grew up in the 80s too. And I, I remember in college, there was a party and there was a turntable and uh, it was at somebody's apartment. And, you know, there weren't many of us there, like maybe 20. And I sat by the turntable and I got, I picked out this album. I put the album on and just every time it would come to the end, I'd turn it over. When it would come to the end of that, I'd turn it back. I did it like, you know, the entire night for hours. Just that album. That was me with Spice and Spice World. <laughs> I'd throw it in there and just disappoint everybody, didn't I? If I heard the mood, just suddenly go, come on, the Spice Girls are legendary. We know it. Anyways, um, I'm trying to find my segues. We're just leaving you. You're struggling. We're just like, oh, we're just going to sit here and we'll let you look, look for those segues. Okay, talk amongst yourselves for a minute. I'm like, you can edit it out. Yeah, we will. Um, just uh, Harp Oddity. Yes. Could you tell our listeners a, a little bit about that? Yeah. I debuted my Harp Oddity show in 2019, and I have a, a nine-piece band, and I sing and play the songs of David Bowie. And I have a video up from 
from uh, the show of my version of Rebel Rebel. And uh, you can see I have, you know, some cool David Bowie makeup. It was just so much fun because I've loved Bowie forever to be able to do the show and then do my arrangements of his music. You know, I start the show with a number with just me and the harp, which is Life on Mars. And uh, I have to tell you, so most people don't know how the harp works, but there are pedals. There's seven pedals at the bottom and each pedal has three different positions. Okay, so you work them with your feet and each string on the harp can be three different pitches depending on where I move its corresponding pedal. So for example, here's the D string. If I have the D pedal on here, it's a D flat. Move it to here, it becomes a D natural. Move it to here, same string becomes a D sharp. So life on Mars, my feet are just like this the whole time. It's such an insanely hard song on the harp. You know, the piano's so easy. Everything's right there. Got all your notes, you just play them. With the harp, it's like, it's like three-dimensional chess in Star Trek. It's crazy even crazier i was picturing river dance move happening during this <laughs> yeah but i'm doing river dance plus i'm trying to play all of this and sing it <laughs> but so i start with that and then i add my band in and then you know some numbers have all the you know the nine piece band and uh yeah but it's uh just so much fun oh my gosh yeah mm. you'd have to warm up your vocals your hands and your feet as well <laughs> right yeah goodness Christ. so you wouldn't want to pull yes. a muscle playing the harp because you know you're in this old classy affair i don't think the audience <laughs> would appreciate that one that's some of the audiences i've seen do you have a strong physio routine and a strong massage routine to um help you with all of these i should i should get massages regularly because oh right here because when you're playing the harp your your arms are always up yeah. it's not the piano also another reason the piano is so easy your arms are down, you just play and it's easy. And the harp, you're like, oh, it's kind of like, you know, violinists have the same problem. Flute players that all have that same, oh, but yeah. Put, put that in my rider. Masseuse. Yes. With, with, with avocados, avocado. Yes. You know, uh, an avocado rub, masseuse. Absolutely. <laughs> well, that's it. Uh, all right. Well, anyways, I'll, I'll move us along. It looks like Ziggy was a vampire and now he's dust. So we're going to slay an ad break. I've no idea what that has to do with David Bowie, but that's the segue I thought of. He played a vampire in The Hunger. Oh, the, it was perfect segue, wasn't it? Anyways. G'day, listeners. Aaron here. We thought we better send a spy to Broadway to check out the shows for us. So here for today's review is our Broadway spy, Spencer. And now we have an off-Broadway show. We have the 2019 production of Little Shop of Horrors off-Broadway at the Westside Theatre upstairs. Now, just because I say off-Broadway might make you think that it's lower quality, and you would be wrong. This is one of the most fun shows in the city. It is a rejuvenated production off-Broadway where this show should be. This show does not belong in a large Broadway theater. It's in a 250-seat theater, and it is wonderful. The production opened with Christian Borle as the dentist, Tammy Blanchard as Audrey, and Jonathan Groff as Seymour. You have the current cast of Rob McClure as Seymour, 
Brad Oscar as Mr. Mushnick and Lena Hall as Audrey, and it is just a lot of fun. They've had a cast of all-star Seymours go in there. They've had Skylar Astin, Gideon Glick, Jeremy Jordan, Rob McClure, Conrad Rickamora, and up next, we have Tony Award winner Matt Doyle, who just won a Tony for Company, going into the role of Seymour. This production is so much fun. It is for everyone. It's about a, a man-eating plant. What could go wrong? Go see the Little Shop Reporters off-Broadway. We're back with Thrush and Treasure. I'm Aaron, that's Matt, and we are joined by multidimensional artiste Aaron Hill, and we are just flabbergasted listening to Aaron talk about playing the harp like I can barely rub my tummy and pat my head at the same time, let alone this. Although I used to be able to stilt walk and juggle at the same time, but that's another matter. Ooh, that's impressive. I can do that too. Oh. I can juggle and walk on stilts, yeah. I, <laughs> Is right. there anything you can do? No, I quit. See you later, kids. I'm out. Bye. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I've said it many times on this show that having more than one skill, excelling in more than one thing is the key to succeeding in this industry. Because when you work with people and they find out that you can do this thing, they tell someone else. When you're fun to work with and they like working with you, they tell someone else who needs that thing. And then you get another job doing that thing. So learn as many skills as you can. Goodness gracious me. Uh, but anyways. The stilt walking with the juggling, is this something you've had to do professionally or is this just something you do for fun? Okay. I really don't walk on stilts anymore. I did it one time in my life, okay, when I was a teenager and it was really fun. I've never done it since then. Juggling, I've juggled my whole life. My dad taught me. He was an expert juggler and I have juggled in the movie Clear Blue Tuesday. And I juggled on stage in Midsummer Night's Dream at Classic Stage Company, which I did with B.B. Newworth and Christina Ricci and Taylor Mack. And I juggled in a scene and song, actually during a song uh, with Taylor. I guess I did all the juggling. We didn't do any juggling back and forth, but yeah. So I have done it on stage and screen. There you go. Oh, wow. Now, have you found since you juggle, right, and I juggle as well, that your catching and your aiming is like spot on. Every time you throw something to a bin. Yes. You, you, see, I keep telling people, learn to juggle and your aim will be spot on. Kleenex, uh, you yep. know, you name it. Yeah. That's it. Because you, you learn that hand and eye coordination and yes. Puppy dog, what, what's the, the other dog's name? I know it's McLeod and... This is Valentine. Valentine, oh, you can see in my Eleanor Rigby video, yep. which, by the way, has now won awards in over 50 film festivals across oh, wow. the world. Wow. And the Eleanor Rigby single has also been heard on Sirius X in the Beatles channel. Uh, but Valentine is in that video. She has a little cameo. I'll link to that in the description below. Now we're going to move on to The Fantastics now, which is the musical that you did off-Broadway. Now you did the 2005 or six revival? Yes, and yes. before that I had been a sub down on Sullivan Street where The Fantastics had started out 
in the 60s and it had run there for a super long time so when i got to new york i started subbing harp there and then it closed briefly and then when they reopened it they asked me to be the harpist and then i'm on the the soundtrack Mm. now matt you have reviewed this because you didn't know this at all Mm. neither did i actually i had absolutely no clue i knew the joel gray movie existed i just never got around to seeing it so this long-running musical us people have been in musical theater for how many years, Matt? Yeah, I've been for a while, yeah. for about 30 years. So, yeah, yeah, same here, like 60, 70 years between us. Nevers. But remember, <laughs> Spice Girls and Kelly Clarkson. Anyways. All right, Matt, I'll let you take the mic and sit back. Well, I wasn't a complete novice to Fantastics. I mean, you know, the, again, because of, of the record, uh, because of the era of record albums, it's one of those that has one of those um, album covers that you totally recognize. So it's something that I would have walked past a million times, probably heard, but not known what it was. And so, um, so this was an awesome opportunity to get to know it better. Now, my style of reviewing isn't quite as precise as Aaron. Again, like, I don't remember even knowing that there was a harp in the Fantastic. So, like, you know, I thought it was a two-piano sort of show, you know, or a single piano and the vocalist. So I was delighted when I started to listen to the overture to just hear how much the instrument set the characteristics of the show and, you know, and really uh, set up the show. And you know exactly what you're going to get from the from the from the word go with this overture yeah. and then of course we go into the classic try to remember which of course i would have known <laughs> if i hadn't known it from the context of this beautiful singing voice there that was from burke moses who again i had vague memories of gaston and all this sort of stuff in the back of my mind from my musical theater nerdiness this was like the big surprise about this album was the monologue so we get into louise's monologue right away and this is where i started to really notice the harp i mean for me listening to this album the harp is the essence of louise's spirit it speaks, you know, with her and for her, which was so exciting. Then moving into much more, which I thought the title was Just Once. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, this is called Once More. She just keeps saying Just Once. But I mean, really, <laughs> this is where the harp establishes itself as the extension of Louisa at this point, which is just absolutely stunning. And then the lyrics in Metaphor starts to take center stage for me now that I was sort of settling into it and really listening to those words again. And I noticed, you know, You Are September. And I was like, oh, it's hearkening back to that first song. And then, ah, oh, I love this one. The microscopic insides of a leaf is one of the lyrics, which I was just like, ooh, like this is so poetic. Of course, then, you know, you get further into it and I'll marry when I marry that all of a sudden I noticed it was like Shakespeare or, or even Dr. Seuss in a strange way. You know, like you don't often put Dr. Seuss and Shakespeare in the same sort of category of poeticism. But um, there was... Well, I don't know if I agree there. Mm, okay. Some of Shakespeare's wittier proses are very much the groundbreaking for people like Dr. Seuss. I think his wordplay, definitely. Anyway, sorry, I'm shutting up. Yeah, and I was because again, like you know, the whole thing is very much. I I couldn't help but thinking of, and I'm sure that it's not intentional. You know, Midsummer Night's Dream and Pyramus and Thisbe, and you know, it's the same same story essentially, the chink in the wall and all that sort of business. And so then I was like, oh, okay, so this is it's like super clever. <laughs> like I was like, not only musically am I having this incredible journey, but like lyrically, the influence is becoming so clear. Then we're getting into the dads. 
And again, like all these voices, I'm going, wait a minute, I think I've heard some of these voices before. So this is like Martin Vidvik and Joe Burmeister, I think, Leo. at this point. Leo. Leo Burmeister, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And again, like just these people that I had seen and heard in other places and just not really, you know, I just had no idea how, how well I knew him, <laughs> which is so exciting. And of course, like in Never Say No, there's another great lyric. The diction was amazing in the dynamics. So again, like listening to this album, like as a musical theater person, I'm going, you know, and as someone who's teaching music theater right now, I'm going, oh my goodness, this is like the ultimate, like for diction. The clarity was so beautiful. And this is something that, I, I mean, I just saw Hamilton and I was complaining to one of my friends that I couldn't understand some of the cast members because it's, again, there's so many words. And I was like, oh, diction 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 i'm gonna go back and tell those students they have to be very clear with their diction and of course they get to say jam all over the cat which i thought was very funny <laughs> like some of the funny things that they bring out in that you know i did want to go back to it depends on what you pay which you know is back very much like the heart plays a very in interesting role in this one because this song is you know sort of about louisa and so all of a sudden that characteristic of the harp reappears again and of course there's like exotic sounds in there with the harp where you're taken to a different place but then it's brought back to very classical and so i just thought that shape shifting within it was just absolutely exciting and um and i of course i noted because i seem to remember this song having a different lyric um when i first heard it yes is that right yes so it's called the rape song it was called the rape song and i noticed it's now the abduction yes the rape of lucretia and in the classical sense rape yeah. was all used so much and in mythology there's still the lyric of the perform the rape ballet which uh -huh. again you know harkens back to what you just said the sort of classical context of it mm -hmm. right but you know then all of a sudden we're into the next speech after that and we hear a very different sound from el gallo you know all of a sudden like this person who's been this sort of um romantic presence becomes real for us you know like really settles into it um which is really lovely Soon it's going to rain. For me, it was almost like a Joni Mitchell song, you know, like in the, the minorness for something that is so hopeful is, a, again, a great storytelling technique. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess, you know, then it starts to flip over. It's this beautiful thing where it, if you fold the show in half musically, you know, it's that beautiful, it's not even, it's not a Rorschach in any way. It's this, like, I love logic. <laughs> so I love, you know, my straight lines and my symmetry. Patterns that make sense. Yes. Sorry, go ahead. Yes. Yes, I get it. I get that. Totally get that. And I mean, you know, of course, we're close to the end of the act again. And and then we're, you know, being introduced to new characters as well. I don't know if they're new because I haven't seen the show. But, you know, like on the soundtrack, we hear the voice for the first time of the actor who wants to die, I think, with the English accent. Or I'm not really sure who that was, but I was... Henry is the character. Henry, okay. yeah. In the abduction ballet, uh, I'm up to now. We've got all this incredible foley, so I don't know. I thought that was so much fun, you know, like listening to the click, click, click of the wooden swords or whatever that could have been. I'm... I do in plum. Mm -hmm. This plum is too ripe. I do that on the harp. Oh, do you? Uh, actually, you know what? I, at one point, I knocked on the harp for it, but I think I did claves for the recording. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Did you do like a lot of, Did was that the only percussive sort of noises you make on the um, album? Oh, they're different things. Like there's this one where it makes a strange noise. You have the tuning key and you put it on the string and you pluck the harp and it goes, Beep! like that. Oh, wow. You're the, you are the Peter Frampton of oh, harpists. Boy. <laughs> oh, wow. That is awesome. Yes. <laughs> 
we finally got to what I imagine is the end of Act One, and all of a sudden I was like, "Crikey, there's a lot of tracks on this on this recording." So it's good for good bang for your buck, folks. You know, if, if you just so you know, this plum is too ripe is the beginning of the second act. Because okay. see, the first act. Sorry, we got a siren here. The first act is a fairy tale and wonderful, and then you pull the curtain back and see, okay, what happens after? And they lived happily ever after. That's act two. The boy and girl get together. Yay. Happy ending. We've been going through the whole story and that's usually where the story ends. And then second half is, okay, actually life goes on. And at the end of the act one, is there an amazing harp run that sort of ends the act? Is that right? Oh boy. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, I think I think there is there is an amazing okay. act run around where I thought it was yeah at the end of happy ending. So I was like, oh, it's a, yeah, it, happy ending is the end of act one. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, so I won't go so in depth into act two. So let's we're at the plum is too ripe, and it started, and I noticed immediately the lack of the harp. You know, when Louisa starts the song, and it's not until Matt comes in that we are introduced to the harp again. And so again, like we're talking about, like the intricacies. Oh, okay, is that where the that's where the I'm claving. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> but like the intricacies of the storytelling that you know you had this hopeful Louisa, you know, with that was all about beautiful sounds of the harp, and then you're hearing this vocal in. You know, for me, it's a, it's a noticeable, like, wait, something is really off here. Uh-huh. It's not as pretty. It's not as, yeah. Yeah, and such a contrast as soon as it's going to rain. Mm -hmm. And then I can see it, I mean, again, like, I once we got into the song, I really recognized it. But the beginning of it, you know, with this sort of, like, spiritualness and this, this different vocal timbre from both of the men was super exciting as well. So, again, like, it's really, you know, as someone who's studied musicals and as someone who is a musician myself and loves diction and dynamic and everything, that the excellence of this composition is really exciting if you can't tell i really love this <laughs> i love this cast recording oh wow oh good yeah and then there's in an episode there's a very so it says that tom jones is in the song which which confused mm -hmm. me is he is he in the show or did he just sort of no no the composer tom jones is the lyricist and book lyricist. writer mm -hmm. and he was in the show with us as so he was... henry yep how amazing is that that is absolutely amazing so he's the lyricist. And then, of course, there's that sort of somewhere that happens in the middle of that. I don't, this is so specific, but like somewhere. And there's this sort of, you know, vo um, vocal, you know, tribute to yes. another famous song, which I thought was really delightful. So now I'm up to plant a radish and I was like, oh, it sounds like maybe Erin gets a little bit of a rest. And then I was like, oh, nope, nope. Here she is again. <laughs> She's very busy is what I wrote down at this point. <laughs> <laughs> in the review. Yeah, and then of course we get to the much more reprise, reprise, reprise. How do we say that word? Never know. Take your pick. Reprise is what I say. I say reprise. Tomato, tomato. Having grown up in America and now living in Australia, I get confused about certain words. I'm like, what? How, how, how did we used to say it or how do we say it <laughs> of course you know i haven't you know haven't lost my american accent so i don't really know what my excuses but again now that now i started to notice it sounded like the harp was back on louisa's side in this in this section which i thought was very interesting yeah it's just harp on that reprise no piano on that and you can't tell this listening to the album but i timed the very end as she climbs up to sit next to el gallo and so when her butt touches the seat is when my last harmonic comes. Yes, I actually wrote there 
and then I put slash the note exclamation point, which is that there we go. She goes up and it's like, but it also shows some um some sympathy towards Ogayo at this point as well, which I thought was really interesting because he's you know sort of this Faustian you know sort of character and sort of like he's in the tree, he's the the snake in the tree, and you know and sort of tempting her, and so I just yeah. Again, like the the intricacy is just quite beautiful. I will jump to the end and just say that again, like I'm just amazed by the intricacies of the entire thing. I loved at the end that we revisited sort of the beginning. It was sort of like the show starts all over again with the curtain call music. Um, you're brought back to the beginning. So even if you've seen the show before or you know this story because it's such a classic story, as an audience, we go on this journey where we want to go see a familiar story and we hope every time that it's going to change, you know, that the outcome is not going to be, you know, that the tragedy is not going to happen. It's like listening to the Peter and the Wolf, you know, <laughs> you did the orchestra thing when you're a kid and you listen to it over and over and over again and you're like oh my goodness is, is peter gonna be you know is peter gonna be safe is the duck gonna be okay <laughs> you know it, but then again it just it's we get to the end and it's sort of like the overture again um my score is is it out of five yeah going out of five or out of ten yes it's a five out of five i mean this is a must listen to for anybody who is a musical theater student and who is a fan of musical theater beautifully composed the lyrics incredible the diction the music direction and the harp i mean what can we say yeah and some great audition songs because it is the music on it it's not a full orchestra so you can actually learn the songs that are on the album so i want to bring up that the abduction ballet or the the rape ballet this is another thing that we keep talking about on this show that this show wasn't made for today's audience so therefore the language in that is not the same as what it was being made and it's, it's all good well and say oh well, let's change the art look we, we had this discussion in last episode in terms of dr seuss changing his work compared to now yeah, right yeah and rural doll too hang on what who did i say oh no you said dr seuss but also uh rural doll rural doll that's who i meant to say um yeah I'm a little bit tired yeah him changing it is the artist changing their work it's not people down the track who want to make money from it who change it so that they can make money from it so i do think there is a little bit of a difference to rural doll changing his work to make it more palatable because he's the artist but he's dead well, that's it therefore we should leave it alone <laughs> we should respect the artist right yeah mm -hmm. we don't go up to the mona lisa and paint eyebrows on her because today we think she should have eyebrows right if he wanted eyebrows yeah. on that he had plenty of time before he died to paint eyebrows on that <laughs> once he died that was it that art is locked in my opinion everyone has their own opinion but in terms of having it as rape ballet i don't think people should be changing it because when you walk into an a, an audience even if you're you're seeing a show in 2023 right doesn't matter when that you're not seeing a show that was made made for 2023 and even a show that premieres in 2023 as we discussed last week started writing it 10 years ago so it's being made for the past 10 years it's not being mm -hmm. made for today and you don't need to see yourself in something you don't have to that's not the 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 key to enjoying art is not to see yourself you know it's meant to challenge you art is meant to mm -hmm. challenge you full stop i agree yep awesome that's what i just wanted to, to get that off my chest because i didn't get that in last episode also the the story here in terms of the happily ever after at act one it's sort of it is a precursor to into the woods mm -hmm. in in that respect right i think um i think that they, they can't not i'm not saying it's copying obviously because it was made 20 something years beforehand so it was 
a precursor to. I'm not saying Sondheim copied either, because it's just a storytelling device. These two musicals chose to do it. Others didn't. But yeah, okay, so I, I, I liked it. I'd never heard it before. Didn't know the songs. Totally new experience for me. I'd probably give it around a four as well, the same as David Bowie. But I would want to see it visualized because I do have a problem paying attention to lyrics. I make no secret about that because my mind is going all over the place. So I'm also listening to the music and the emotion I'm getting from the music. How is the music telling this story here? But it's just not really done here. I've never seen it done. That's surprising. That's really surprising. They did it at the Hayes a few years ago with um with Martin Cruz, actually. Ah, okay. So it has been, well, I haven't seen it here in Melbourne at all. No. It might have been done at the production company. Yeah, like a long time ago, maybe. Yeah. I mean, again, like it's one of those things where, and even when they brought it back, I don't know, Aaron, when, when it came back in 2006, did it have a long run or what was the run like yeah. then? Because it had been, because it had been like the longest running off Broadway show or something. Is that yes. correct? Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. that's correct. Yeah. So I had a pretty long run. I mean, I left, you know, mm-hmm. to do other things and it went yeah. on without me. So. And so then do you, do you recommend other harvests when you leave or do you, you know, or do you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Oh, I pick wow. my subs and et cetera. Yeah. I mean, I guess with your instrument being so specific and, you know, yeah, I mean, I guess you must wield, it's, uh, wielding power sounds wrong, but I mean, you must have a good collaboration with your music directors in terms of finding the other musicians that are going to fit the bill. Yeah. It was up to me to pick my subs. And then when they came in, obviously, if they didn't do a good job, the musical director, who's the pianist, Dorothy Sinclair, she would have just been like, whoop. But I picked good people. I love that. I think personally, Broadway original cast should have a say in who their successor is, I think. Because, you know, they're going to pick someone that's a little bit older and a little less pretty. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if the producers are going to agree with you. Oh, I know. I know. Goodness me. Uh, Anyways, we're going to move on because it looks like the Fantastics have come unstuck. So we're going to go to an ad break. G'day listeners, Aaron here. While you're topping up your coffees, did you know that you can support our show and go on a fantastically scary adventure at the same time? Go to www.thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore to grab your copy of The Toniston Tales, a darkly funny Aussie trilogy about a young boy who rescues injured animals in his spare time and the roller coaster ride he's taken on by a literal fish out of water. Written by me, the village idiot of Thrash and Treasure, you'll come to love Toniston Turnbull and the dozens of wacky characters that he meets along the way. And here is a sneak peek. After barely three hours of light sleep, Toniston Turnbull slowly opens his eyes, his body feeling heavier than it ever has before. Not from extra weight, from tiredness and stress. Polly sighs in the shadows behind him, the flame of the nearest barbed wire tiki torch tower having died down, but not out, while Toniston napped. Are you awake? Toniston whispers. Oh, how can I sleep in this place? Polly moans, turning onto her side and facing Toniston, who stays on his back, imagining obscure animal-esque shapes in the rusted tin roof above them, shadows faintly formed by the nearest dying torches. We need to work out a way to get out of here, Toniston states the obvious. He whispers, despite the fact the nearest shacks to their own are several metres away, and the occupants presumably asleep as most prisoners seem to be. 
How? There's no fence to squeeze through or even climb, Polly replies, sitting up in bed and then stretching out her sore arms. The hairs stand on end from the slight chill in the air. I don't know, but I think the whole fighting thing is a distraction. You mean to distract the other prisoners when new ones arrive? No, I, I think that was just bad timing. Didn't you notice? Toniston goes on to explain his theory. That fight happened, everybody gathered around. I didn't see one person who wasn't watching. And then when I vomited, the only gate in this place closed shut. What are you trying to say? I think something happened when everyone's back was turned. Like what? Whispers Polly, her voice breaking up in fear. I don't know. That's what we've got to find out. Toniston's brain starts working overtime. But it's strange that nobody seems to want to leave. They seem almost happy. Definitely content. So, when's the next one of those stupid beatdowns? Toniston can't help but think Polly looks tough, almost evil in the shadows as she asks, I don't know, Toniston begins. But both teenagers are distracted by a crumbling noise in the distance. Hopping out of bed, Toniston joins Polly on her own, equally uncomfortable one. Spotting a large, white package hovering close to the cave ceiling, behind it a shadowy figure. The package is lowered down, causing the teenagers themselves to lower as well, hoping not to be spotted by whom, or what, may be operating this obscure crane. Over a long, slow descent, the package is dropped to the ground. Polly keeps her eyes on it, but Toniston looks up immediately, spotting a large black shadow scurry away to God only knows where. Come, he whispers, as he quietly hops off her bed, slipping into his docks with bare feet. Polly follows his lead, Careful to keep watch on all directions, the teenagers swiftly sneak over to the white package, their hearts beating an almost tribal jam in perfect harmony and stopping in their tracks as the sudden realisation of what lies before them sinks in. A woman, seemingly in her early twenties, wrapped up in bandages from the neck down. No, not bandages. Is that spiderweb? Polly asks, completely mortified at the prospect. Grab your copy of The Toniston Tales from thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore today. Hooroo! Alright, you're listening to Thrash and Treasure. I'm Aaron, that's Matt, and we are back with the formidably talented Aaron Hill. And goodness gracious me. And now playing the harp, you've obviously played to some big crowds over time. Also being in the crowd, when was the last time everyone else gave a standing ovation, but you stayed seated? Oh, I don't remember. I usually am seeing shows with people I know and friends. So obviously I would be standing. Yeah, you feel bad. You've got to stand. Yep. Well, usually <laughs> I'm standing because it's my friend and they did great. I know. If it were a show in which I didn't know anyone and yep. I didn't have any friends in it, and I didn't like it, I would certainly never stand up. Good on you. My kind of lady. I love that. I just I feel so regimental these days. There's no feeling behind it. It's meant to be excitement, and it just it makes me uncomfortable now because it's sort of like this is the part where we stand up and applaud because it's the end. No, no. When they blew you the hell away, that's when you stand up. But anyways, Broadway audiences are changing, and apparently I'm left behind. Uh, now, is there any instrument that you cannot master? Yes, this is my question as well. <laughs> oh, we should have verified that. Well, I have always been able to play any instrument that I picked up and 
I played with the Fab Faux for a lot of years, Beatles band. So uh, a show would come up and it's like, we need this. So I would work on mastering it for, you know, that part or whatever. And then there came a time several years ago when all of a sudden I was like, you know what? I don't want to spend any more time working on different or new instruments. I want to focus on the harp because my time and energy is going to be better spent you know, working on new songs and arrangements with the harp. So I, I just quit that. So now it's all about the harp. How old were you when you started the harp? Eight years old. Eight years old. And so like, do you have to go through different sizes of harp depending on your... Yes. Yes. Right. Your harp is built for your physicality. Is that right? No, no, no. no. There aren't that. Pedal harps, there are really only two sizes basically a three-quarter size and the full size the full size you see in the classical orchestras and my harp is a three-quarter size electric harp which is really my rock and roll harp and uh it's amazing and it's i don't need the the classical orchestra harp i don't need it to be any bigger than it is oh my gosh it's... do you take your harp on the subway like i can just picture you no, no. <laughs> never ever ever you couldn't possibly do that you have a harp dolly yeah is it like the opening credits of the Flintstones where he puts the giant stake on top of the car and it falls over? That's what I imagine, a big giant harp, and you just fall over lopsided. That, yeah, it'd be like that, exactly like that. Now, um, but on to movies. What is your favourite Disney animated movie in honour of our poster and Hercules currently on? Oh, I'm going to have to tell you, when I was little, like six or something, my parents took me to Bambi and I was oh. traumatized in the first yeah first what 10 minutes of the show the mom dies and it'll do it I refuse to ever go see another Disney movie again <gasps> so I was done done with Disney forever oh. I did see Beauty and the Beast and I enjoyed it yep and that's it that's all I have to say about Disney my heart breaks oh anyways now one thing I found really interesting is there's not too many male harpists. Correct. Like Harpo Marx was about the only male harpist I came across. Well, Park Stickney is an amazing jazz harpist. He's fantastic. Uh, but yeah, you're right. There aren't many men. Historically, there have been some. Uh, Salzado and, you know, others. So I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not sure why. Yeah, a bit of a girls' club. Yeah. Not complaining. Not saying it's a bad thing at all. I actually kind of love that. Yeah, I just I found that interesting, so I thought I'd bring that up. But yeah. Well, people think angels play harps and, you know, men are devils, so I don't know, maybe that. Yeah, I mean, there is a, I don't know, you sort of picture delicacy or delicate, and you don't really picture, you know, Matt sitting there at a thing with his broad shoulders playing a harp or unless that's your idea of delicate no offense yeah oh, of course that's why when i do my harp oddity it's it's not exactly delicate <laughs> my rock and roll harp yeah more so the vibe that you get if you walk into a room and you hear it you don't you don't picture a rock and roll straight away. You do. It's common misogyny of society, I guess, that we immediately think of a female when... Yeah. In a white flowing gown with, you know, sort of like the long hair. Like an angel. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. That is society's subconscious misogyny, apparently. Yeah. But male harpists out there, rise up. It's going to be more of you, surely. Now, Live Aid, 
I believe you did. Did you do Live Aid with Kanye? You're thinking of Live Earth. Live Earth, that's it. Live Aid. I don't know which one that was. Live Earth. Which city did you do? New York City. New York. Oh, okay. Okay, that's all right. Then I was just sussing that out. And guess who was at that show after us? Kelly Clarkson. Oh, oh see, it all comes around. <laughs> so that's where I hear harps. The heavens open. Do I hear angels and harps and the light shines down? And oh, Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> Oh, that's it. Okay, that's all right. I had a follow-up question if it was Brazil, but never mind. What was the naughtiest you were as a pre-teen? Not a teenager, because then we, we deal with people can be punished for that, but a pre-teen when you were innocent, <laughs> the naughtiest you were. Oh, boy. I wasn't ever really naughty. I I, I just, uh, I, I had a temper and I, I, I threw temper tantrums when I was little. So I guess that's it. I mean, I, I, I'm, I, I don't have this red hair for nothing. I temper. <laughs> exactly. Now, do you find participation ribbons healthy or toxic? Participation ribbons? Yep. You mean like you get a ribbon because you showed up? Yep. Complete freaking bullshit. Yes. <laughs> uh, now, what is your favorite film scores? Because I know you love movies. The Third Man and Vertigo. Mm. I also like The Shining. It's one of my favorite movies. And of course, we I have to include Gone with the Wind. Whoa. Uh, Talk about a theme. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I watched that the other day on TV. It was it's such a it's such an amazing film. It's just... I love it so much. It's in my top ten. I've seen it twenty times. That's oh. a lot of hours too. Yeah. Was twenty <laughs> times four and a half. Over my entire life. Yeah, know. goodness gracious me. Um, it's about as much time as I've lost to the MCU. Uh, okay, now what's the most visceral reaction you've had being in the audience of live theatre that you've walked away shaking or just your life was changed by that one performance? It's like I, I remember with movies, uh, but with live... Movies, that's fine. We'll go with, with movies as well. Uh, okay. Live theatre is, is harder. I had a very visceral, vis visceral reaction to um, Cabaret, which I believe you were in. With oh, Alan. Thank you. Thank you. Especially when he sort of went behind the um behind the sheet and they did the shadow puppets. That was me. That was you. <laughs> that was me. Yeah. Oh, that wonderful. was fun. Two ladies. For the audience that doesn't know what we're talking about, um, in Two Ladies, they sort of went behind the, the sheet and it was a sort of a shadow puppet sort of show and acted out um several different um Sex acts. Sex acts, exactly. <laughs> which which caused a big like <gasps> from many from many a person in the audience. It was not the cabaret we, you know, it was not Liza Minnelli's cabaret at that point. It was like, whoa. <laughs> right. And the other lady and two ladies was a man, Michael O'Donnell. Yeah. So yeah. It, it did play here in Melbourne. I think Tina Arena was in in it and Lisa McCune for Australian audiences. Yes. Uh, mm. I missed it. I missed it and I am forever kicking myself that that was just one production that's come to Melbourne that I missed and I because a lot has come to Melbourne and I missed it that's fine I'll get to see it one day but I missed that cabaret here in Melbourne. Aaron did you move with the show when it moved to um 54 or how long were you in the show because it was it was in the theater that you're in town was in right? Yes you're correct the Henry Miller uh i left the show to do tim robbins's film cradle will rock so i did cradle will rock and then it moved to studio 54 and i did come back and do it again 
at Studio 54 for a little bit. Cool. I probably saw you in it a couple of times because I lived in New York at the time and that was one of my favorite shows. So I would I used to usher at 54 because you could actually see it oh. for free to usher. Uh, but anyways, your albums. Is there any chance we're going to get a death metal cover album? No. No? Oh, no. <laughs> no chance. Oh, so you're headbanging at the... Oh, God, I shouldn't do that. I'm going to put my neck out. But my 70s album will have some Aerosmith, but... Yeah. Ooh. Oh, that's... That's hard, right? Yeah. Now, looking at the state of entertainment today, where we've got, you know, TikTok that someone can just do a little sketch on TikTok and suddenly they've got a million followers. And they lip sync. They're just lip syncing to something. Yeah. When, when you sit back and look at the state of all this today, do you think if you were, say, 20 years old today, that you would still be as ambitious in wanting to master all these instruments and, and do all this stuff? I would because I did it, all my instruments and everything, because it was fun, you know? When I originally did it, I wasn't doing it for anything, you know? Exactly. There was no TikTok, was there? You, you couldn't, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> we did it because there was a love of it. Yeah. We do art because there's a love of it, not a love of the followers. Yeah. Oh, I get so passionate about this. Yeah. <laughs> when was the last time you jumped in puddles? Uh, <laughs> I just rewatched Singing in the Rain, by the way. Uh, Speaking uh. of that. I have to say I cry every, I cry. That number starts, I basically cry from the beginning to the end and have joy suffused in my crying face. Yeah. <sighs> I just love it. So, oh yeah, I often jump in puddles, probably just the oh. other day last time it rained. Yes. Brilliant. Uh, now I've just got one more question. So I'll throw to you, Matt. Have you got any? I've asked all of my questions. Okay. I, got, I'm being, I feel put on the spot. Sorry, yes, any? you're I on the spot right now, go. This is entertainment. What's the first theater show you remember um, seeing and did it change your life? Well, when I was little uh, in Louisville, uh, there's a great theater called Actors Theater of Louisville. And my dad had season tickets and my dad and I went to every single show at Actors Theater. I still don't remember exactly where our tickets were as our season holder <laughs> tickets and so i just grew up seeing all the shows there i loved them all they're amazing amazing shows and basically all of them <laughs> changed my life because i decided to become an actor beautiful thanks shout out to active theater of louisville <laughs> yeah yeah and you weren't sitting there looking at a phone watching fucking tiktok anyway <laughs> Just have to throw that in there. Correct. Uh, okay, now how many proposals have you witnessed while playing the harp or any of your instruments? <laughs> yes, I have done some proposals. Yeah. Oh, I don't know, maybe 50. Yeah. Have you cried at all when you've you've seen any? Have any brought you to tears? No. Nope. Yeah, no, it wouldn't be either. <laughs> Bugger off. I want to see your happiness. Go away. I'm trying to play. <laughs> Anyways, so actually, how many solo albums do you have? Because I'm not sure they're all available here in Australia on Spotify. Really? Yeah. Okay, the recent ones are Christmas Harp, so beautiful Christmas album. Harp Town, which is all covers, everything from Edith Piaf to Radiohead. Okay, can I just butt in there? I joke the whole ballad thing. I listen to your someone like you Aaron let's chalk it up to I'm very 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 tired at the moment but I sat there and I burst into tears because it was so fucking beautiful for one thing 
but I really just am so overtired at the moment that it just it was this wash of emotions and I listened to things very loudly in my room and surround sound and and the harmonies and the are you singing with someone or is that your double voice that's my voice and on the original Adele recording there are no harmonies but when I did it, I wanted to add harmony. So thank you for, for noticing those. Yeah, you knocked me over. Aww. I also have a music video of that song. So you I will check that out. probably want to look on YouTube. Yeah, watch it. but thank you. When I've had more sleep, because <laughs> I really am just, as I said, I've just had not much sleep lately. And it, it really just washed over me. It was just one of those Aww. moments. And I, I'm not here to kiss people's asses on this show, but I will call <laughs> a spade a spade and tell someone Aww. when you did a good job. And you did a bloody good job with that one. Well, if I made you cry, I did my job. Yes, that's it. You're not the first guest to make me cry. And I think I've made at least one guest cry too. So <laughs> we're all winning. <laughs> and I'm sure our listeners cry every week from boredom. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> uh, it's been fantastic having you on, Erin. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Giles, I've been a, a long while with your scheduling. Thank you, we, We've had some postponements with a lot of our guests over time. But I know that, as I say, there is only a handful of harpists at Million and One Podcasts. So when they're calling you, do not turn down them for us. No way in hell. Like, they, they need you. They need you. So I'm, I'm so grateful for joining us, really. And it's been such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. Thank you for a fun afternoon. Mwah, mwah. Thank you. Thank so, you. Where can people find you on the socials? Oh, thanks for asking. Erin Hill Harp. E-R-I-N-H-I-L-L-H-A-R-P for harp. Erin Hill Harp on Instagram and YouTube, etc. And then Spotify and all those. Just look for Erin Hill and make sure you get the one with Harp Town. I think there's some others. Let me say, you were asking about the albums. Let me just mention also Girl Inventor, because Girl Inventor is my album of originals, and they're all sci-fi originals. Ooh, that's excellent. Yeah. Bye-bye harp songs. Mm, cool. Oh, wonderful. Yes, but it is absolutely gorgeous. And I, I would say I hope to see you on the ocean one day on a cruise ship, but apparently I'm never going to see you on an ocean on a cruise ship. But you might on a starship. Maybe I'll make it to Australia sometime. Yes, please do. Please come here and play. We've got the Art Centre. We've got the Sydney Opera House. And if you're in Melbourne, I'll definitely you're harvesting for opening night tickets. We'd love to. Yes, you hear that? Producers in Melbourne. Goodness gracious me, get all yes. my guests over here so I can give them all a high five <laughs> for coming on my show. So thank you so much. That's it from us. Huge thanks again to Erin Hill for joining us. That was awesome. I am just absolutely in awe still. Now you can find Matt on the socials at Matt Young Actor, one word, M-A-T-T-Y-O-U-N-G-A-C-T-O-R. I will link to all that stuff below in the details. You can find us at Thrush and Treasure or at Thrush and Treasure Podcast. Again, look below for the details there. Uh, also, you can find us on Patreon if you want to support us and keep us going. Patreon.com forward slash Blooming Theatricals. Uh, also, buy the Toniston Tales. Read the Toniston Tales. Let me know what you thought of the Toniston Tales, even if you hated it, because, you know, my own mum did, and that was fine. I still love her. Uh, anyways, uh, please comment, like, subscribe to this show, leave a rating, tell your friends, help us grow. That'll be awesome. 
we're going to take a couple of weeks off because we've just done six episodes in a row and I'm very, very tired. So there's not going to be a new episode next week or next weekend. There will be the weekend after that. Oh, and Matt will be back next as well. And then I'm going to try to do it in sort of six episode blocks. Take a break. Six more episodes. Take a break. Who knows how that's going to work out. But I am very, very, very tired. You could just hear it through that whole episode. There was no energy there. Uh, but anyways, be good to each other. You take care and we shall see you next time. Hooroo! <laughs> okay, bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>